It is ball. He is ESPN's Tom Luganbill. I'm Ryan Brown. Thank you for joining us for our weekly discussion of college football with ESPN's Luganbill. And it is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Code next round. MyBookie.ag. Code next round. They will match that initial sign-on at 50% up to $1,000 when you use code next round at MyBookie.ag. What is up, Lugs? How are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you, Ben? Man, I've been fantastic. You're getting ready for a little uh, Black Friday night football shopping day. For Luganville, primetime Texas and uh, Texas Tech. Yeah. yeah. I know you probably don't want to fly to Lubbock, but if this were in Lubbock, it would be a far more interesting game. Oh, Austin, Austin, baby. Austin, you're right. Oh, man, would it be different? Because that place is weird, man. Yeah, it's a wild place to play a game, isn't yeah. it? And I, and I oh, imagine yeah. pretty hard to get to. Like, the closest I've been to Lubbock, I was driving through Texas, and I saw the interstate sign that takes you there, and I'm like, man, that is in the middle of nowhere. Driving like. through West Texas, baby. I know. Yeah, <laughs> from here, from Charlotte, go Charlotte, DFW, DFW, love it. Okay, that's not bad. But you're going to Austin. You'll have Texas, Texas Tech, primetime ABC on Black Friday. Let's start with the Iron Bowl, the Alabama Crimson Tide, getting ready to head to Auburn to take on the Tigers. You know, with these rivalry games, we always say, ah, oh, you throw out the record books. Uh, it's not technically true in this game. I, I think the truth in that is, especially at Jordan-Hare, where it is a much more difficult game for Alabama, mm -hmm. uh, the, the underdog generally plays this game way closer than what the experts would think. I think that's what people mean when they say you could throw the record book out for a game like the Iron Bowl. Well, especially coming off of the performance we saw from Auburn last week. I can assure you that's not the Auburn yeah. team that will take the field against Alabama in this year's version of the Iron Bowl. And I think, you know, the bottom line is it's the environment, right? It's the atmosphere. That, it's such a difficult place to play. And I think that you'll have an angry, embarrassed, okay, Auburn football team with a, a bit of a chip. Um, you know, this was a team that I thought really would, would go 7-5. and five. I, I wasn't expecting them to beat Alabama. I'm still not expecting them to beat Alabama, but I think that this will be a different team that will show up. So now if you're Alabama, and I don't think they'll do this, but you can't take the approach when you're viewing Auburn that Auburn took viewing New Mexico State. Right, right. Because what that essentially was was a lack of maturity, a lack of focus. And I don't know if that game was scheduled two years ago or five years ago, but New Mexico State's been one of the bottom five football teams in college football for the last 30 to 40 years, right? And now you got the fighting Jerry Kills coming in there at eight and three. And the problem was, is it didn't look like a fluke, right? I mean, I think that's what really stood out in that contest. And so um, you've got to imagine that Alabama's going to have to show some maturity in terms of how they view Auburn. Last week has to be viewed as an anomaly. I mean, it, you if you look at it and you say, well, that's the team that's going to show up on Saturday, you're going to be in a problematic dogfight if you're Alabama. Do you think because Auburn's offense had gotten on track, they had gone yeah. primarily to Peyton Thorne, had gone away from Robbie Ashford. He's got very little role, if any, in the offense now. Mm -hmm. And that had been successful. You had had yeah. some good strides against uh, Vandy and against State and a really big step forward against Arkansas. When you looked at that game, do you think it was just Auburn's head wasn't in it? Did New Mexico State do something defensively that Auburn couldn't deal with? I mean, how do you how do you how do you explain going from what their offense had started to be to what it was Saturday? A lack of focus, a lack of yeah. respect for the opponent. I thought that Auburn got whipped up front on both sides of the ball. Um, yeah. And actually, Jerry Kill said as much after the game, and he wasn't wrong. Uh, but again, I, you know, when you're dealing with 18 to 22 year old kids and 
You know, they hear New Mexico State, well, we're Auburn and we're playing at home. And all of a sudden you get this notion that it's going to be easy. And the moment you start going down that path, you are asking for trouble. And you're right. I think the thing that was so impressive about Auburn leading into that game was they had settled in at quarterback, but also instead of having to be so reliant upon the quarterback run game being your only version of the run game, Jack West Hunter had become the focal point of the offense and the run game and yeah. the offensive line was starting to come around. And so, you know, the intrigue of that, if we were to assume, and again, this is what Auburn did, that you beat New Mexico State in that game and you come into the Iron Bowl and you're, you're sitting there in a position where you look kind of formidable, right? Because you have ironed out some of the kinks. You have found your, your stride in the run game. The quarterback has settled in. Now I feel like you've taken a step backward and you're doubting yourself to some degree. But uh, I think the, the emotion of a rivalry game, particularly one such as this, will Auburn will show up. On the other side of the ball, you're getting the best version of Alabama right now. It's the best they've played all year long. It seems like everything has finally clicked. Their offensive line is playing better. Jalen Milrow is playing elite-level football. They're able to run the ball now. Their receivers have matured, it appears. Their defense uh, is healthy and has been very, very good. I mean, this the bad news for Auburn is you're getting the best version of Alabama. This is not an Alabama that's limping to the postseason. No, no, you're getting an Alabama that's playing their best football when you're supposed to, and that's the middle of the latter part of November when it gets hard and you get tired and you get banged up and it's a battle of attrition. And right now Alabama seems to be thriving upon that. And again, the mental focus and the outlook for against Auburn has to be about Auburn as a whole and not Auburn last week. I, I keep reiterating that. You know, it's interesting, the, the maturation and the development of, of Jalen Milrow, because have you noticed that we're no longer talking about Alabama's inability to run the ball. We're no longer talking about how poor Alabama's playing in the offensive line. And I firmly believe that so much of that is a credit to Jalen Milrow and the clock going off in his head and him not moving himself into contact, into pressures, into sacks, not getting himself into negative plays that all of a sudden find them in second and 13 instead of being in second and six. That has completely almost evaporated. And as a result of those decisions to get the ball out of his hand, them incorporating a lot more quarterback run, which I'm a little surprised wasn't a part of the focal point for the first four to five weeks of the season. All of that has eliminated some of the other glaring issues that were really standing out. And I think you've got to credit Jalen Milrow, Tommy Reese, but really the light going on for Jalen Milrow. I remember vividly Tommy Reese telling our crew going into that Arkansas game, the biggest challenge for us right now is when Jalen Milrow sees it, getting him to unleash it. Yeah. Don't wait for something else. Don't think this might come open. If it's there, just take it. Just go. And then all of the other things start to work themselves out. And that's exactly what has happened. So credit to Jalen Milrow. Is this the Jalen Milrow you saw on tape when he was a high school prospect before he came to Alabama? Is this the style of play where Alabama looked at him and said, hey, this is a guy, this is a guy that, that, that could play for us in the future? I think they saw a premier athlete with a lot of natural God-given arm strength that they knew was going to be a bit of a project in the passing game and that if he didn't pan out at quarterback, they knew he was elite enough to play another position. So it's one of those evaluations and projections where you really can't go wrong. Like he's not going to be a miss because yeah. if he doesn't play quarterback. He's going to play somewhere. And you know, those are the guys that you love to have because positional versatility gives coaches options. You're going to have a landing spot. 
And then, um, as it turns out, you know, he has developed. Is he perfect in the passing game? No. Is is he a natural, fluid, pure passer? No. Um, and he may never be that. But what he has done is he's gotten better and he's improved. And as he's done that, his confidence has risen. I think that's a big component, too. He is ESPN's Tom Luganville. You will see him on Texas, Texas Tech, Black Friday night, prime time on ABC. He is with us, courtesy of MyBookie.ag. That's who brings you ball, MyBookie.ag, code next round. When you sign in right there and make your initial deposit, they're going to give you a 50% deposit match up to $1,000 at MyBookie.ag. That's when you use code next round, bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag, code next round. Lucaville also presented by our friends at Manscaped. It is a great Christmas gift idea. Manscaped.com for all their great products. The handyman that is portable, you can take it anywhere you want or use it at home. It's very easy to travel with. Beard Hedger, which has got the dial on it so you don't have to pop on and pop off your uh, your guards. They've also got the weed whacker, takes care of the nose hair and the ear hair. The lawnmower, which takes care of the entire body and the undercarriage. And don't forget their boxer shorts. Uh, they're great male products right there at manscaped.com. Now, because you watch ball, you're going to get a 20% discount off your first order. Great timing for that with Black Friday coming up. Brown 20, that is my last name, Brown 20, to get 20% off your initial order at manscaped.com. Brown 20 is your code there. All right, uh, early in the day on Saturday, Ohio State Michigan are going to play in a monumental game yeah. uh, there in Ann Arbor. These are two coaches. Jim Harbaugh was asked about Ryan Day, and he did everything but say, I don't like the guy. All you had to do was listen to the answer, and you know he doesn't like the guy. It's been amped up a little bit. Everybody feels like Ohio State has been knee-deep in this whole Michigan controversy. Um, let's just start with the fact that Harbaugh and Day probably um, – they probably don't vacation together. There's probably not a whole lot of love lost there. No, there's not. In the current state of the Michigan program, there's probably not a love loss amongst any other coach in America <laughs> Good in Michigan point. right now yeah. either. So, he, you know, Jim Harbaugh can intimate uh, how he feels about Ryan Day. Uh, <laughs> He got a lot more fingers pointing back at him. I can I can promise you that. But this is hey, listen, this is uh, what makes this rivalry great. They don't even like to refer to each other by yeah. by name. One's Ohio, one's the team up north. If you go through their football facility, um, you're going to see an awful lot of things about that game. You're going to see a clock with a countdown clock that starts the very minute the moment of the game ends for the game the following year. And I think what makes it great is by and large, most of the time. These teams are very, very evenly matched. All right, we're going to have two versus three this time around. And I think a lot of people feel like Michigan has earned the right to be considered one of the best, uh, if not the best, team in college football. But outside of what is, a, I think, an above average, uh, maybe to adequate Penn State team, Penn, uh, Michigan hasn't been challenged by anybody athletically that can keep pace with them. So it should make for a lot of intrigue in this matchup. And, you know, Ryan Day needs this one. Yeah, That's the bottom yeah. line. He needs this one. I, let me ask you this. What has Jim Harbaugh done? Now, some would say, well, it was a cheating scandal. Let's let's put that aside. Let's table that for this, this discussion. What has he done to flip this rivalry? He was so behind the eight ball in this rivalry. And just overnight, it's like it flipped for him. All of a sudden, he started beating top 10 teams. He started beating Ohio State. And he started going to the college football playoffs. When did that, what, when did that coincide with something else uh, occur? I, I said we're going to shove that aside for now. Oh! Okay, sorry. All right. Um, Listen, all jokes aside, all of the criticism we have right now of James Franklin at Penn State 
was the criticism exactly. from 2015 yep. on forward yep. about Michigan, and they were all warranted. Now, I do think they did a really good job in two areas, not only recruiting really good players, but the development of some players that maybe not everybody was on. Aiden Hutchinson's a prime example. Really good player coming out, high-level player, but maybe not a top 10 player or a top 20 player, you know, that type of guy. And so the combination of some of their really high-end guys with some of the more developmental guys kind of coming to fruition all within a class of each other. So now they've established really strong depth. I think the, the quarterback position improved and got better and got good enough. And um, they're built the right way. They're built defensively in all of the right areas for what you would label as being a championship caliber team. Just like Alabama's been during their run, just like Clemson was during their run, Georgia right now. Uh, Texas is starting to look that way. Um, it's the problem with SC right now. Um, Michigan doesn't have those issues. So um, they've done a great job in coaching, making good decisions, player development. And you know what? They've had a lot of shuffling of that staff. They haven't had a ton of continuity. They've had multiple coordinators on both sides of the ball. And here they are, just might have taken a little time to get it all right and have the right uh, voices in the room. Yeah, I mean, I was watching Saturday against Maryland. There's Josh Gaddis on the other sideline. It wasn't too long ago. He was the Broyles Award winner for them. Yeah. And, that, and now here's Sharon Moore, his replacement, as the acting head coach. I mean, to your I point, there has been some shuffling, yeah. There's been some shuffling and on the defensive side of the football as well. Guys in and out. Don Brown's now the head coach at UMass. We have coordinators back and forth on the Baltimore Ravens. Um and so they, they've had to kind of settle in. But I, you know what? I, I'll, I think you do have to give Jim Harbaugh some credit in this regard. When he took the job, it was Jim Harbaugh's offense. Yeah. It was Jim Harbaugh coaching it. It was Jim Harbaugh making the calls. And as the game started to evolve and move more past the three yards in a cloud of dust and lining up in the eye and being in, you know, 22 personnel or 31 personnel and – doing it the Stanford way, he evolved and yeah. they became more explosive. They became more spread out. Didn't mean that they had to become soft. Didn't mean that they were going to go away from who they are. I actually liken it very much to the same evolution process that Nick Saban went through there for a while. And they just became a little more fancy without abandoning the core principles of what their identity was. You know, it's interesting. He was taking over a, a proud program that had, Falling on somewhat of a hard time, right? Ryan Day was the opposite, though. I mean, he's taking yeah. over a program that was as high as ready it made. made. Football ready made, and and I know which one I'd rather do is the ready made, but that is not that's not easy either because you're following up a very successful coach, and anything you choose to change, everybody would be like, "Why would you change that? It had been working so well." So, you know, both of them had kind of a different challenge when they took over each program. Yes, very much so. And um, but you'd much rather have it that way if you're Ryan Day than the other way around. No doubt, right? no doubt. You'd, no. you'd much have, rather have a stocked full cupboard of of players to choose from, and then you continue to recruit to it. And I think you know he would tell you that he had to navigate some areas, particularly on defense, of having the right mix and having the right play caller and having the right approach. And that didn't happen overnight for them. Now, fortunately, they had really, really good players so that they could overcome some of that stuff, especially two years ago, especially 2021, when guys like JTT, Jack Sawyer, 
And all of these guys were all true freshmen that came in that are all now either redshirt sophomores or true juniors. And they're all really, really good. And you get the right coach coupled with some seasoned players that were really young two years ago. And now the mixture on defense seems to, to fit. And your quarterback's starting to grow up. I'm not saying he's playing, Kyle McCord is playing at the Carson Beck level, but he is playing well. And they're playing well. They're not winning in spite of him, in my opinion. I think they're winning with him, maybe in some instances because of him. The question is, if you're Michigan in this particular set of circumstances, can you find number 18? And how do you force Kyle McCord to be patient enough yeah. to go somewhere else with the football? Because if you do, right, I'm not saying you're going to shut down Marvin Harrison Jr., but you've got to limit the touches. And you've certainly got to limit the explosive plays at 15 yards or more. And so if you can, and I say this, will he have patience, Kyle McCord have patience enough? If you, if you do something to eliminate number 18, you're leaving something else open. There's a void somewhere. Force the quarterback to find it. Be patient enough to do so. And then I think Travion Henderson for Ohio State has to be a huge component, a huge component in this game. He is ESPN's Tom Luganville. Uh, you'll see him on Texas and Texas Tech Black Friday night in primetime. Uh, there on ABC. The show presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at MyBookie.ag. Make your sign-on deposit. They will give you a 50% match up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. That is code next round to get that match. MyBookie.ag, code next round. Also, great apparel here on the show presented by Roback.com. I've got on my Roback right here. And uh, you can get these great hoodies like I'm wearing, the quarter zips, the uh, golf shirt polos, the great pants, the crew necks, all of that at Roback.com. And even if you've already used our promotion code, if you'll just go to Roback.com slash TNR20, Roback.com slash TNR20, you'll get 20% off your order, and uh, that's good through Black Friday, roback.com slash TNR20. All right, let's talk about the Beavers and the Ducks. Um, you know, I would normally look at this game and say, ah, Oregon is just too much for them. And I think Oregon is really good, obviously. And Bo Nix is yeah. in the hunt with Jaden Daniels to win the Heisman Trophy. But I also look at Oregon and say, how much have they really been tested? They don't have a win against the top 25 team. I will at least say when they played Utah, Utah was a top 25 team. And that was in Salt Lake City, which is a tough place to play. That's and blasted them. Yeah, blasted them. Uh, that yeah. was by far and away their best win. Yeah. They could have easily beaten Washington. But then I look at this Oregon team and say, might they be ripe for an upset with Oregon State? It's a rivalry that is going away. Oregon State's getting left behind. You, you factor in that emotion. Again, much like I was talking with Texas Tech and Texas, if this were in Corvallis, but it is in Eugene, and that's a tough place yeah. to play. Yeah, I, my question is, does Oregon State have anything left in the tank? That game last week was so important for them, yeah. and the conditions were just horrid. They were 5-0 and at home. I think a lot of people felt like, all right, this is the end of the road for Washington. Oregon State's going to get them, right? And then it didn't happen. Yeah, I think I, I was on board. I was like, yeah. oh, if you're going to get bit, Washington, this is the weekend. Yep. And it didn't happen. And I think that there's got to be some level of disappointment that – if you're Jonathan Smith, you hope doesn't linger over into the week. You've got to get past it. You can't let Washington beat you twice. It's a rivalry game. You're on the road. I actually had this game two years ago. It was a great football game um, in Eugene. And 
Um, I do think, you know, you talk about throwing the records out the window and things, things of that nature. I, do, I think there's a little bit of that. I do think there's a little bit of a chip on the shoulder for Oregon State being left behind and trying to contemplate what their future is now going to be going forward while, while Oregon goes off into the, into the Big Ten. I just think Oregon's got too much, Ryan. I, they're playing at such a high level. It's almost like they can't, they can't screw it up. Like, they try to screw it up, and they can't screw it up. You know, yeah. it was kind of like Washington the first four to five to six weeks of the season. It was like, I think I said this to you, it was like Michael Penix throws incompletions just because he thinks you're supposed to have a couple of them, right? <laughs> and I feel like the execution of Oregon and how they're playing, and I don't know if you saw any of the first half versus Arizona State last week, but, like, that was clinic video. I mean, it looked like varsity versus, not JV, but versus the freshman team <laughs> playing their fifth quarter kids. Yeah. Right. And and so I just don't know if there's enough in the tank. And the problem is it's Oregon State isn't built to get into track meet style games. And listen, they were able to prevent that versus Washington came up short at home. Could they prevent that against Oregon, but come out on top on the road? Yeah, I mean, in the second half, they they own the football against Washington. And, and Washington did not score. I mean, had you given me like. Had you showed me time of possession and told me Washington didn't score, I would have said, oh, Oregon State wins this game. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, Washington, if you doubt Washington, that's fine. But I thought that was a very impressive win by Washington. Penix, you know, did not do a whole lot in the second half. The- have you ever seen, Ryan, have you ever seen a quarterback throw the football in the rain like that, like Michael no. Penix did? No. I've never no. seen anything like that. In all my years, I have never seen a guy throw a football in a driving rainstorm and act like it was bone dry. Yeah, didn't even phase him. Yeah, and, he must and, have and huge hands. Yeah, I think they're eleven inch. I mean, that sounds well, if insane. They, if they are, then every cold weather team yep. in the NFL yep. is lining up. Yep, yep. Um, I, I that that last throw to Adunze was, and the weather had you know at least got a little bit better than the yeah. rain had primarily stopped. But I mean, that was a that was a gutsy throw to Adunze. You know, if that's incomplete, you've stopped the clock. Oregon State at least gets one more shot. But they trusted Penix, and rightfully so. I mean, the guy's had an incredible year. Yeah, he's had an incredible year. And now I think you know the thing that's interesting to me in all of this is everybody's talking about jockeying for the spots now in the college football playoff. We're going to find out more, and probably won't find out anything new tonight um, from the committee, but. You know, can Oregon avenge that loss? All right, so that would let you now have a one-loss Pac-12 team. If Texas can continue to go and somehow win the Big 12, and they're a one-loss Big 12 team, and then what if Alabama beats Georgia and they're a one-loss? Like you've got all of these different scenarios. I feel like we haven't seen the chaos on the field so much as far as like pure upsets and just something out of left field that would have an impact on the playoff. Yeah. But I do feel like we could have some chaos with existing records at the end of the season that put the committee in a bit of a predicament. Well, since you mentioned that, let's talk Florida, Florida State in one second. But first, a reminder, the show presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at MyBookie.ag. They will match that initial deposit of 50% up to $1,000. That is free money for you to play right there at MyBookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. MyBookie.ag, code next round. MyBookie.ag, code next round. Also, don't forget to get your plays at Lance'sLock.com. Daily, weekly, uh, monthly, season-long packages with the NFL still going, college football. Got a bowl package right around the corner. Um, also, NBA, college hoops. I mean, we've got a ton of stuff right now at Lance'sLock.com. That is Lance'sLock.com. 
All right, so Florida State's in a weird spot. They played their way into the top four. They're undefeated with their rival Florida and Louisville in the ACC championship game on the horizon. But just a horrific injury to their starting quarterback. Great player Jordan Travis, but he goes down to the UNA game. And now this becomes a weird team to deal with. Let's start with the fact that there are only six and a half point favorites on the road in Gainesville. Also, Florida playing a backup quarterback. In yeah. Brown. Uh, that's a tough spot, though, for Florida State to be making your first start against a rival in a place that can be, if their fans are engaged, really difficult to play. Yeah. And I think that's why we have to, we got to wait, we got to watch, and we got to yeah. evaluate, right? And, you know, there's actually, in, some of the people listening and watching me and I realize there's language for this very scenario yep. in the bylaws of the college football playoff committee in terms of how they would look at this, how they would approach this. Clearly that language allowed for them in 2014 to feel fairly confident in what they did with Ohio state. And they ended up being proven to be correct uh, with Cardell Jones. And, and I think most notably because of that Ohio state performance in the big 10 championship game. I, I, I don't think Tate Rodemaker has to wear an F on his chest. I think what he has to do is play good football. And he's played good football for them when he's played. Listen, they ripped off 58 unanswered points or 59 unanswered points the other night once he came into the game. He won a game for them against Louisville two years ago and really saved them um, in, a, in a night game and a hard place to play. I think they know what they have, and they, they feel confident in what they have. He's got to go out and avoid errors. He doesn't have to go out and make every play on the field. There's too many good players on that Florida State football team. I do think the road environment environment will be will be strongly evaluated. I do believe that we will see a Florida State football team that will be even more heavily scrutinized at some of the other positions with Jordan Travis removed because they really want to see what is this team in its totality and could those other players yeah. make the quarterback better and vice versa? Well, here, here's Florida State's nightmare scenario. Obviously, if they lose a game, that's that's it. But right. even in a win, if if he looks kind of average and they struggle a little bit against Florida but get the win, and then if Kentucky beats Louisville this weekend, which is entirely possible, yeah. and now you've got a diminished Louisville team you're playing in a conference championship game, You you know, the committee has – They've got a lot of fuel to look at that and say, is this one of the top four teams? So even in continuing to win, uh, things may still need to fall right for Florida State. They may still need to fall right, but I got to imagine that if you had a 13-0 uh, uh, and 0 Power 5 conference champion that had to do it a different way because of a devastating injury to a key component on the team, there is no way the committee is leaving them out. They're just yeah. not going to do it. I think the bigger the bigger question in all of this is nobody's painting the picture of what could happen to Georgia if Alabama were to beat them. FSU goes undefeated, Washington goes undefeated, Michigan or Ohio State goes undefeated, all right? And Texas has the head to head over Alabama. Tough spot. Could the committee drop Georgia from 1 to 5. You know, you look at that logically and you say, okay, so let's say Bama kicks a field goal at the horn to beat Georgia. You really mean to tell me that means Georgia is not the first team in the nation, they're the fifth team in the nation? I mean, I don't believe that. I know. But but to your point. What would you do? They're not a conference team. It, 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 it's really, really difficult. I mean, I think you probably, they, you end up dropping them out. 
And, and you I know, know what? The, the shame of it is they would be a top four team. Oh, yeah. Gosh, yes. Absolutely. I mean, but that, yeah. I mean, that's the one scenario that I don't hear a lot of people talking about that yeah. isn't that far out of the realm of reality. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. All those things could happen. happen. None of those yeah. things, none of those things are crazy, really. No, uh, I don't think so. All right, he is ESPN's Tom Lugabale. You'll see him on Texas, Texas Tech, Primetime Black Friday uh, from Austin on ABC. Don't forget the show presented by mybookie.ag, code next round. When you sign on right there, they will match that initial deposit at 50% up to $1,000 at mybookie.ag when you use code next round. Also, manscaped.com, code brown20 for 20% off your initial order there at manscaped.com when you use code brown20 and roback.com. Code TNR20, or if you've already used that, you can go right back there to roback.com slash TNR20, and you'll still get that 20% off through Black Friday. All right, Luke, safe travels. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week. Yeah, best to you and the family. Happy Thanksgiving.